Welcome to the Executive Real Estate Investing Show. This podcast is for you, the busy business owner or executive looking to create generational wealth. Here, we're going to show you how to do that through real estate investing, from multifamily to industrial and everything in between. You will become a real estate investing expert. And now, here's your host, Michael Holman. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Executive Real Estate Investing Show. Excited to have you here with us today. Excited to get you learning about real estate investing and taking your investing journey to the next level. So we have a really exciting show here today. I have Jordan Spencer. He's a partner with Red Canyon Financial here with me. But before we get into that interview, let me give you the quick executive tip. So today's executive tip is be willing and learn how to pivot. All right. One of the things you're going to find is I'm sure most of you have realized this in business and you're going to realize it in real estate investing too. Learning how to pivot and understanding how to pivot on a project, on a job, on your business is vital to your success. I do it every single day, not only as a business owner, but also as a real estate developer. My projects have to constantly pivot to get them through. Uh, and we all know those who are willing to pivot, those who are willing to look at a situation and say, how do I turn this from bad to good? Or how do I turn this to good to great are the ones that are going to succeed. So today's executive tip learn how and be willing to pivot. But we want to get right into this. This is a great episode. Like I said, we're with Jordan Spencer. He's a partner at Red Canyon Financial. Jordan, how are you doing today? Fantastic. How about you, Mike? I am great. Thanks for asking. You know, it's a, it's a beautiful day out here. Starting to warm up a little bit, sitting here in the in the springtime right now. So life is good. But Jordan, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I, uh, I'm a reformed banker and I like to, <laughs> I like to say that because my clients love hearing that. So I've spent uh, many years in the, the banking industry. got my start in 2004, worked for all the big banks here in uh, Utah, Zions bank, us bank. And most recently was a senior vice president for a Korean bank out of Los Angeles. And after realizing the potential in this market and a few other markets, happened to start Red Canyon Financial. Awesome. No, that's, that's great. So tell us about Red Canyon Financial. What, is, uh, what do you guys do? Yeah, so Red Canyon Financial, we basically help uh, real estate investors, business owners uh, in all areas of the capital stack. Uh, historically, my experience has been in debt. And so that's been, that was kind of the primary focus when we got started early on. And now we've moved on from not only debt to equity, you know, looking at opportunity zone, looking at institutional investors, focusing on larger projects, master plan communities. And uh, so we, we basically uh, advise and help bring in the right leverage and equity based on the need of, of the developer and the business owner. Fantastic. Well, I uh, I can attest that you guys are excellent at your job. We've uh, we've worked with Jordan a lot in the past, and so that's been uh, and that's been a really good experience for us. Hopefully, it has been for you as well. Although <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure we're a little demanding. I I hear real estate developers um, have a little bit of an ego that they're always trying to have to check at the door. So <laughs> you no, know that I. I don't have a problem with you guys. You know, you guys are teachable <laughs> and uh, 
you know, you're listening. And so uh, the, the respect is mutual. I appreciate that. So you said something interesting. You, uh, you t- called yourself a reform banker. You worked at all these big banks. Tell me about the process of working for all these banks, right? Going from this business executive to uh, a business owner, a partner uh, in a smaller firm. What, what was that like? And what prompted you to do it? Yeah, good question. So, you know, over the years, kind of the most formidable years of my banking career was during the, the great downturn. So, you know, I remember exactly where I was when the announcement came out about Bear Stearns, you know, and then Lehman Brothers, and then everything else just started, <laughs> you know, just started declining. And it was really amazing to be to be part of that and, and to see what happens to a client portfolio, a real estate portfolio, a business portfolio when when a downturn like that happens. And so, you know, those those years really kind of molded me into into who I am and gave me a lot of experience in, you know, credit, underwriting, working out, you know, <laughs> advising and consulting with investors and developers on how best to, you know, basically not lose everything that they had because of what was happening in the market. And so, you know, learning how to be creative during that time and during those difficult years really helped set the stage for what we do and what I primarily do with Red Canyon Financial and kind of what led me to this decision was, you know, having such a, a long history of clientele and people that I've, that I've dealt with over the years, you know, this from experience, but oftentimes banks will choose certain types of businesses and certain types of assets that they want to specialize. In. And, you know, honestly, a one size doesn't fit all. And so me being a bank employee, and as you said, an accounting executive working with developers, business owners of all shapes and sizes, there were so many instances where I found that I couldn't help them. Uh, maybe I could help one because that's what the bank wanted, but I couldn't help the other, not because it was a bad project, but because it wasn't the flavor of the month. And so that's really what kind of you know gave me the thought of, well, I, I know so many lenders just from working with banks on a correspondent level, uh, real estate investment trusts and insurance companies that the thought came to mind, you know, why limit myself to working for one institution and only focusing on a few different asset classes when I could really go back to what I'm really good at and focusing on a lot of different businesses, a lot of different asset classes, because I have the resources to do that because of the amount of banks that I know and have in the Rolodex. And so that's really what the transition was like. And it was a little nerve wracking at first. Um, <laughs> Always is. You know, yeah. Anytime you make a decision like that, obviously you got to, you know, you need to perform and you need to have a good business plan and you need to have, you know, that trust with your, with your existing clients and, and the trust that you have in yourself with your connections and your ability to put a project together. And it really puts you to the test and you, you kind of see what you're made of. But as developers, you know, I look at Overland, you guys do that all the time. You put yourselves out there and you really kind of test and see what you're made of. And, and uh, from my perspective, in order to get to the next level and be successful, I had to do the same thing. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, uh, 
Some people, some people call developers reckless. So maybe, maybe that's a better classification for me. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. But I, I totally get what you're saying. And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, we deal with that kind of thing all the time, right? I mean, we will work with one lender and we'll do a bunch of projects with the lender and everything will go well. And then next thing you know, not the person you're talking to, but some senior vice president, chief executive, something or other made a decision that they wanted to tweak the asset portfolio on, on the, uh, what the banking lender standards are. And next thing you know, oh, sorry, we're not lending on any more multifamily, right? All apartment lending has stopped because we've decided we have enough. And it's like, wait, what do you mean? I have this great project. We've been doing a lot of this business. We've worked together. So yeah, I I completely understand what you're saying. And, and I think that's fantastic, right? It's nice that you were able to take that step and not, and not limit yourself. So what is you went out and started this own business? Do you have like an end goal in mind? Is there is there something you're trying to achieve with this business? Is there is there kind of a point where you're where you're trying to get to, or did you decide to just jump in because you're like, hey, I just want to help as many people as I can? But but tell me about that. Is I mean, what's the end goal for Red Canyon Financial and you? Yeah, good question. You know, the the goal initially was just to handle the pipeline of projects that that I had and be able to take care of them you know, for my clients. And it's, it's interesting. That was the initial motivation. And now after, you know, a couple of years has passed, you know, we have made us change just, just moving from only focusing on debt to going to equity. That was a big jump. Our next big jump is having uh, Red Canyon have their own fund, have our own fund that we could use for our clients' projects so that, as you said, you know, banks will sometimes, I call it turning off the faucet. You know, when you're drilling for oil, you know, they don't completely turn off the well. They have to kind of leave it dripping a little bit and then they'll track on um, at any given time. And that's what they do with these different asset classes, just like you said, whether it's multifamily, hospitality, senior living, storage, retail, which is, you know, kind of a, a bad word right now, <laughs> given the, <laughs> given the pandemic, nobody yeah. wants to do retail, but you know, we see, you know, with, with my credit background and underwriting background, you know, the, the next logical step for us is to become kind of a one-stop shop for clients where we can help them with the acquisition and development stage through our own fund and then move them into, you know, the, the more conventional financing through construction and stabilization and then help them move to the next one. And so, you know, I, I think, you know, how things have changed over the past couple of years is, is we're just opening up new verticals. Um, First debt, next equity. Now it's going to be securing our own fund, which is coming uh, probably second quarter this year. (laughs) Hey, whoa. Congratulations. there. little insider information for uh, for all the executive REI listeners out there. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, you know, we just, we're passionate about, you know, making sure there's capital available for people because, you know, we live in good markets, uh, Utah, Idaho, Arizona, even Colorado, parts of Nevada. Um, you know, we're seeing stuff in Nebraska, Oklahoma, Texas, and, you know, when banks aren't lending or when they're tightening up on things, we want to make sure we're a good resource for people. Fantastic. No, that's, that's awesome. And exciting times. 
So uh, I want to go back to one of the things you kind of said previously and transitioning this into some, some of the real estate investing. So you talked about how you uh, were kind of in the thick of things through the great recession, right? And uh, one of the most common questions that we get from listeners, from investors is, are we in a bubble, right? Are, are we in a real estate bubble? Is it going to pop? Should I invest now? Should I wait? What should I do? I'm going to ask you, Jordan, to take out your crystal ball for just a second, right? And and give us give us a recession and markets 101 per Jordan. Do you think that we are currently in a real estate bubble? You know, I I kind of I get asked this question a lot actually. Um I even have lenders asking me what I think, which I think is really funny <laughs> because <laughs> it's like you know, I don't pay the guy that you have to do the market research. You know, I don't pay him $500,000 like you guys do. And you're asking me what I think. Um, so <laughs> Maybe they should the, give you that 500000 I know. Even the <laughs> banks don't know, which I think is, which I think is really interesting. But bubble is an interesting term because a bubble is what we experienced, you know, pre-downturn. And so kind of what we're seeing here is a lot of different factors. We see you know, we see a lot of uh, spending on the government side, which ultimately will affect how the markets react, right? Um, maybe not this year, but that's going into next year. So we, we're going to see some volatility in the markets. And we're already starting to see some people pull out of Wall Street. And where are they going, Mike? They're coming to you. They're coming <laughs> to me. They want to get into real estate because, you know, the way you, any way you want to look at it, despite what happened during the recession, those real estate investors that were not only cautious, but were smart with the way that they leveraged their properties, most of them come at, came out unscathed or, you know, uh, if they did have any issues, it was fairly minimal compared to the investors that were highly levered and were taking a little more, you know, taking more chances. So, you know, I, I, there's never a time um, that I can think of in my experience where I would say, don't go to real estate because I think real estate will always be there. And if, if you're investing in the right type of real estate, the leverage is where it needs to be. So it's not over levered. There's really not any bubble or cliff that can explode or you go off of where you're going to take a massive loss on a real estate portfolio. It doesn't mean that that nothing bad could happen, but what's what I see is that we see prices going up, the price of lumber, the cost of doing business if you are a developer and a contractor is is going up. We do expect that to level out eventually. But, you know, in high growth areas like Utah, Idaho, Arizona, we are kind of forever changed now because we've had an influx of people coming in the housing market. There's just, there's not enough housing. We're oh, yeah. way behind on what's needed. We're kind of running out of land along the I-15 corridor. And so, you know, developers and builders are looking West and South to expand. And so I do see a form of a bubble, but I do see, I do see things kind of plateauing off because we're, despite what's happened last year, and even going into this year, the economy has remained fairly resilient. 
And um, with with the amount of money that's being poured into real estate and people wanting to buy because of where interest rates are, which they will eventually go up, um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't see any bursting, but I do see some I do see a plateauing. I do see it starting to level out probably in the next 12 to 18 months. Perfect. Well, I love it. There's, there's your Jordan Spencer prediction, everybody. We'll have to, uh, we'll have to bring you back on the show 18 months from now and we'll, uh, we'll see how, we'll see how that prediction went. I'll be digging myself out of the hole. I just, dug. Um, <laughs> Hey, I appreciate the answer. I, uh, I have a tendency to defer a lot on that just because, uh, people tend to rely very heavily on my opinion, but no, that was, that was a fantastic answer. You talked about interest rates, something interesting. I remember seeing earlier uh, is, is this negative interest rate thing that's, that's been going on for a while now. I mean, especially in Europe, I mean, where you have, you literally have banks paying people to live in a home and have a mortgage. It, it, it's, it's ludicrous. Uh, I can't even like fathom that. I mean, here I'm, I'm looking at, you know, two and a half, three percent, and and that feels ludicrous. But yeah, some of the stuff that's happening, even over over in Europe, absolutely insane with interest rates. But I I completely agree with you, and I and I really like the points that you were making, where you said in ups and downs, real estate tends to fare better. I mean, I look at us during the the Great Recession, right? I mean, we took a pivot, but we still doubled down in real estate, right? So we we actually pivoted into something that was doing quite well during the recession. We pivoted into, into family dollars, dollar trees, you know, uh, triple net lease stores, double net lease stores across, you know, the Midwest and some of these rural areas. And those were doing well. I mean, we, we did, you know, a really decent amount of development between 2010, 2012, mm -hmm. right. Just building and developing family dollars. And so kind of going back even to that executive tip that I took, or that I talked about earlier, right? Being able to pivot in the market you're yeah. in is really essential. And, and leverage is a really important thing. I mean, yeah, I, I get I get a little nervous when I see some of these new developers and some of these new real estate investors come in and, and you know, try and do 90, 95% hard money loans to build six townhomes. And I, I'm just thinking that is just an exorbitant amount of risk. I mean, we personally, we like to be so anywhere between, you know, 25 to 35% on our equity. And that includes common equity and preferred equity, but we like to be somewhere between 25 and 35%. I mean, we even have one deal that's sitting at 40% on a new development. So excellent points. So talking about real estate, real estate investing, your, your whole career has kind of revolved around real estate. Uh, how did you get involved in, in real estate investing specifically? Good question. So I would say it was just a matter of opportunity. You know, going back to the points you made about how Overland performed during the recession and pivoting into, you know, the, the dollar general, the dollar stores, you know, kind of these, uh, these businesses that need to be around. You know, we, we've learned a lot about that during the pandemic about essential businesses there have been some opportunities over the past several years where a real estate investor, whether it's Red Canyon or whether it's someone else, um, is able to capitalize on an opportunity with the right leverage and be able to develop and grow a real estate portfolio. Uh, basically, you know, how, how Red Canyon kind of got its start is, is just looking at 
looking at opportunity. You know, I, I look at real estate and I look at real estate projects, properties, even income producing, uh, you know, looking at cap rates and really understanding the, the fundamentals and the demographics of these locations. When you start to understand these things, you start to paint a picture that you just can't paint on paper and you start going with some of that intuition that you have. And so, you know, business owners, you know, whether you're a dentist in the, in the you know, medical world, you know, whether you're an attorney practicing law, an accountant, you know, professionals have this intuition based on their experience and they're able to make decisions, not because of something that they learned, you know, from reading a book, but they're able to make a decision based on their experience and this intuition that they have. And it's the same, it's the same with real estate. You know, I look at uh, Ken Holman, your dad, and I look at what his career and how, how his intuition has guided him throughout the years to be successful and to pivot and to take advantage of opportunities in the market. Red Canyon's no different. You know, sometimes you just follow your gut. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And you deal a lot with that in, in real estate. Real estate is one of those, is one of those investments. I, I would argue like most investments, it's impossible to know everything all the time. Right. I mean, I, I look at I look at even like some of the offerings that we do, right? We'll have those offerings fill up in a matter of hours, right? Or days. And and we have these private placement memorandums that are 50, 60 pages long, you know, not to mention operating agreements and all these other things. And so yeah, I completely agree. It's it's near impossible to know everything all the time. And I think it's important that you have to be able to to trust that that gut feeling, right? I mean, I'm not saying and I don't think you're saying this either. We're not saying be reckless, right? Mm-hmm. You know, do your due diligence, but but it's important to understand that you don't need to know everything, right? You don't want to get analysis paralysis when it comes to real estate investing, or else you'll spend 20 years reading books, listening to podcasts, you know, watching shows, going to seminars, and you'll never actually do a deal. You'll have just lost out on the last 20 years of opportunity. So I think I think that's fantastic. So Jordan, tell me what is your favorite type of real estate asset to invest in? Good question. I would say I have two favorites. Anything that has to do with anything that has to do with multifamily, whether that's apartments, whether that's senior living, senior independent living, whether that's townhome condo development. We're seeing a lot of that right now, uh, where developers are are building and they're holding on to these portfolios of townhomes and condos as an investment. You know, I love, I love investments like that because they're easy to sell if necessary and they stabilize fairly quickly. And so, you know, those are my favorite type of real estate assets, the type of assets that can stabilize fairly quickly in a good market um, or even in a down market. Those types of, those types of assets have historically been fairly resilient through the ups and downs in the economy. And so I do like those. I would say those are probably uh, those are probably my my top favorite uh, my top favorite asset classes would be yeah. anything kind of in that you know living, you know whether it's multifamily, senior or condo townhome type developments. Perfect. No, I I completely agree. So we spend a lot of time in the in the multifamily world. So 
uh, I definitely have a, a love and an affinity for that, for that asset class. And you had it right on the head. I mean, as of right now, built for rent housing is probably the hottest asset class on the market today, right? Building these these small homes or these townhomes and keeping them as rentals, that is that is extremely hot right now. All of the institutional lenders and all the institutional investors have started to kind of understand. This took them a little while, but as they began to understand it and realize and start comparing it to multifamily, all of a sudden they started getting stars in their eyes, right? Like everything else you find uh, with Wall Street and other institutions, right? When it rains, it pours. When, when they start getting excited about it, <laughs> they have a tendency to go absolutely crazy. So fantastic, fantastic insight. Okay, Jordan, we are going to go ahead. We're going to start wrapping things up here. But as always, I want to ask you the two questions we ask every single guest that comes onto the show. So first question, what's the best business advice you were ever given? Well, I, I have to relate an experience to answer this question. So really quickly, I was, I was doing my time at Zions Bank many years ago. And I worked at the head office and I, you know, it, it's this big building downtown Salt Lake and, you know, several floors of, of bank employees. And I was meeting with a movie producer who, who was also an actor, would train actors from Los Angeles. He was moving here to Utah, bringing his deposits, bringing his banking. He was interviewing banks. And I happened to be one of the guys that was in the room, brought him in with a banking executive, you know? So it was my boss's boss who wanted to be part of the meeting. That's how, <laughs> that's how big of a deal this was. So it was basically the three of us in this conference room, designs bank tower. And we're sitting here talking to this movie producer, trying to figure out what makes it tick, trying to understand what his needs are. And he looks at me and he says, Hey, Jordan, what's your favorite movie? And I said, ah, oh, that's a, that's a good question. I got to go with a movie that I grew up watching, like on VHS literally every day. I mean, rewinding it, playing, rewinding it, playing it. The original Superman. Christopher Reeve. Yes. Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor, who loves real estate. You know, <laughs> if you watch, go back and watch Superman and you'll see the Lex had it right. The money's in real estate. Okay. Um, so it's meant to be. I, I, it was meant to be. So, you know, that's where this all started. But I said, I said, hey, you know, that's, I got to go back to my childhood. I just, I loved the fact that I could watch that. And I truly believed that Christopher Reeve was Superman. Like I, I thought Superman was real. And that was just how cool it was for a little kid to think that you have this, you know, hero out there that's saving people. Anyway, he looks at me and he says, okay, um, just so I know you're not telling me something that's not true. Why not? What was the tagline for that movie? And I'm like, kind of looking at him and I look at the executive and I'm like, I certainly hope I don't get in trouble for bringing up <laughs> Superman in a bank meeting. And I, and I looked at the guy and I said, you will believe a man can fly. That was the tagline for the movie. And he looked at me with this, just like, I thought he was going to you know shoot lasers out of his eyes, but then he kind of loosened up. He reached across the table to shake my hand. And he says, you have won my business. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and the executive next to me is just staring at me like, 
what? <laughs> this kid who likes Superman won your business? And the guy looked at me. He didn't look at the executive. He said, Jordan, you were genuine. And he said, he said, I, I train actors. I work with people who are actors all day long. You are not acting. He said, I can tell you are genuine and you gave me a straight answer and you know what you're talking about. And I'm like, wow. He's like, you, you were yourself. You just showed me that you can be yourself in a business situation. And so, you know, I kind of learned from that moment on, always be genuine and be yourself. That is the best business advice I was ever given. That is fantastic. I love the story and the <laughs> advice is even better. So I love it. Okay, next question. What real estate investing advice would you give other business owners and executives? Don't be afraid of it. You know, we tend to fear what we don't understand, right? And so a lot of a lot of the professionals that we deal with, sometimes it's their first venture into real estate. They understand that they should do something, but they just don't know where to start. And so, you know, the first thing I tell them is I'm like, don't be afraid of failing and don't be, don't be afraid of investing in real estate. You know, let's, let's take a little bit of time so you can understand a little bit more about the commitment that it takes to invest in real estate. However, just, just don't be afraid of it. If you're afraid, you'll never take that first step. So take the first step. <laughs> that's the, that's the key. You know, there are so many great, you know, real estate professionals out there. I mean, you know, we're sitting on this podcast. Overland is a great source of helping you take that first step. You know, we talk with clients who are in that situation all the time. They think, you know, I have a 401k. I have my, my life insurance policy. That's a universal policy and, and it's doing some pretty cool things, but I know that I need to be doing something else. And I see people investing in real estate. I don't know how to do it. And I'm also afraid because I don't know what to do. And so don't be afraid. Take the first step. There are lots of resources out there that can help you kind of move into that first step. And as we talked about before, follow your gut. Awesome. Um, follow fantastic. that intuition. Yeah, that is fantastic. I love it. Uh, so Jordan, how can people get in contact with you? So Red Canyon Financial has a website. It's just uh, www.redcanyonfinancial.biz. They can contact me directly. I'm on LinkedIn. Mike, obviously, you know how to get a hold of me. I uh, do. I do. <laughs> so perfect. Uh, you know, I'm happy to uh, talk with anybody that you pass along, but um, you're welcome to share my contact information. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate that. And I am sure that you will, uh, you'll be getting some calls, people wanting to pick your brain, Jordan, you are a wealth of knowledge, especially when it comes to the lending sector and real estate lending. It's fantastic. I'm excited you guys are getting into equity. I'm excited you guys are getting ready to start your own fund. I think it's going to be awesome. And I'm excited to see where your journey heads, heads up. So Thanks for joining us, everyone. That is another episode of the Executive Real Estate Investing Show uh, with our special guest, Jordan Spencer, who's a partner at Red Canyon Financial. We will see all of you next week. 
Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Executive Real Estate Investing Show. Ready to learn more? Go to executivereishow.com for more episodes and resources to help you create generational wealth through real estate investing. That's executivereishow.com.